Welcome to Philly Prime. I'm Dave Schratweiser. A perfect headline today for our show in the Inquirer talking about how all the mayoral candidates are moving away from defund the police and making police staffing a top priority. Nobody better to talk about that than the new boss of police recruitment and uh, background checks, a familiar face to everybody, Captain John Walker. John, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Dave. Uh, Nice meeting you and uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate that. Uh, For those of you who don't know John, John is uh, the captain who was in charge of the new uh, police, excuse me, uh, shooting investigation group that got started last year. He's now been moved over to his current position. He was the former captain in the 15th district up in northeast Philadelphia and the lieutenant in charge of Southwest Detectives for years, 30 plus years on the force, uh, an expert at many things. So we had him on the show today to talk about this. And John, let's start with uh, that headline today. The, it looks like all the mayoral candidates are moving away from defund police and talking about police staffing, the spot that you're in right now. So vitally important. Talk to us about the shorts and why this is so important right now. Yeah, again, the headline's quite interesting and perfect timing, as you said. And, and I think uh, after a year in doing shootings and, and dealing with that critical issue, this is the largest issue in the police farms around the country because of the recruitment issues that we're having based on the Floyd and other scenarios. So the Philadelphia police farmers in critical need at this point, short about a thousand officers going back from 2009 to today. And for the next five years, we'll be losing about 907 officers just to drop alone. That's not including the people that are just leaving their profession for multiple reasons at this point. And, and some of those reasons are not only they're, they're looking for other opportunities, um, but we know this generation of Z and, and millennials are not going to stay in jobs for 30 years like I did. And they're probably going to move in, into 12, 13 jobs in their lifetime. So it's interesting now that, you know, we, we went through these years of the funding police. And uh, I don't think in Philadelphia, and again, I've been in the communities, the marginalized communities for a lot of years, uh, working in these communities. And I, I never felt the pressure from the community that they wanted to fund their police department. Uh, I felt that they wanted to make sure we were, we were professional, we were doing the right thing, target on the right people. But in Philadelphia, I felt for 30 plus years of my career, whether it was South Street, whether it was Southwest Detectives, the 15th District, the 17th District, and the other places I worked at, the police department was always loved in the city, was always respected in the city. And, and again, we're just looking to change some of the things we do. Some of the things we did 20, 30 years ago, we can no longer do, and that's a good thing. Uh, But giving people voice, I think, is also a a great thing because we listen to the people in 2020 and we're trying to adapt our services to meet those needs. And interestingly enough, uh, another headline recently, the LendFest study uh, questioned 1,200 Philadelphia residents. Uh, Two thirds of the police uh, of the people questioned said there were not enough police on the police department. they were divided over how to fight, how to fight crime and the tactics being used. But 90 percent of them said crime is the top issue. Sixty seven percent said there were not enough police. That's an interesting study, which kind of backs up this move to put you in charge of this situation to now increase recruitment, look for better candidates and get more police on the street. 
uh, including a class that's going through now, which we'll talk about now. Um, but, John, but John, talk to me about um, who is it the police department is now trying to attract and what are you going to do to attract those people? So, so I, 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 as you said earlier, there's some interesting people coming out of the academy. We'll talk about that. But looking at policing and in my career, I've always looked at it from a different perspective. And, you know, I came on this job being a victim of a robbery at the age of 19 in my parents' store, wanting to help people, wanting to give them those opportunities to discuss some of those things they're going through. Um, But when we look at policing today, um, I've always believed that it's a very interpersonal skill profession. We've always recruited for people looking at things like SWAT and very adrenaline flowing types of uh, things that police work uh, do. I've always looked at it more from an interpersonal social uh, job where where you're able to communicate with people well. Most people that you deal with, unfortunately, are in very critical times in their lives. And to give that ear and to give that compassion, to give that interpersonal conversation are the people we're looking for. So people in today's world are looking to help people. This is a great profession to be able to do that. Uh, The opportunities are are, are great. And people that are nurses or, or people that are school teachers or people that were formerly in tech industries or people that were servers or, or different parts of their lives. This is a perfect opportunity if you want to help people to join a, a great police department who wants to do that. Uh, we want to understand one thing my mother taught me many years ago is that, yeah, we're all different. But the great thing about that, if we listen to each other, we, we can become better. And in Philadelphia, with 60 plus ethnic groups here, we want people from all ethnic groups. We want people from all generations, 20 and above, uh, to join this police department. Because the more voices we have, the better we become and the more successful we can become in policing the city. Okay. Some new tactics you've been uh, allowed to start to do. Uh, more money now in police recruitment, which all of the mayoral candidates are in favor as well. What kind of new things are you going to do to attract the eye to the police department? Billboards? Uh, more interviews like this. What kind of things do you want to do to get the word out there? Come be a police, come be a police officer in Philadelphia. And talk a little bit about the starting salary and the moves up. So I think one of the, one of the biggest things we, we we have to understand is that for years people came to policing and we had you know ten thousand people looking for this job, and over the years that has changed. So I think the recruitment unit has done a great job over the years in getting the right people there, the right qualified people there, and in today's day and age now that we're struggling like every organization is to getting people, um, we have to work harder to do that. So the harder is to, to make sure we're getting qualified people, but also getting the right people into this profession. So we're starting salary is, is around 59, seven, uh, to start out that puts you into the Academy uh, you're getting paid while you're going to school for up, it goes for nine months. Uh, after six months, that salary goes up to six, almost 64,000. And in year five, you're making 86,000, which is comparable to New York, LA, and Chicago. And in two of those three, we're actually making more in those three large cities. So, right. not including great. overtime. Am I correct, John? With and that does not include, that does not include overtime. overtime. Yeah. yeah. And the overtime is always going to be available, and, and you can advance in that way and make more money. And, and I think the great thing about our department is the opportunity. In a large department like Philadelphia, we have 55 different work units. Uh, after one year, you could test up to be a detective. A lot of people want to be investigators, but after one year in patrol, you can take a test and test up to the investigator rank, or you can test up to a supervisory rank of corporal. Then 
that allows you to test up the organization to the rank of sergeant and the other eight ranks we have all the way up to the rank of police commissioner. Uh, so you have an opportunity to, to, to move pretty quickly. And again, if you're bored with one thing like patrol, you can go to our forensic building, you go to our highway patrol, you can go to our mounted unit, you can go to our canine unit. So those are the great things we have. We also have four weeks of paid parental leave. Uh, we have paid holiday, vacation, and sick leave, depending on how many years you have on a job. It could be as many as 40 days. Uh, we have a very comprehensive medical, dental, and optical bill. And we can thank nobody else but our law enforcement health benefits and John McNesby and his team at the FOP. Uh, we, we have probably the best medical coverage of any organization by far. Tuition reimbursement for those like myself who came on this job without a degree. I was able to get an undergraduate and an MBA while working full-time on this job um, and a vested pension after 10 years of service. And we also have loan forgiveness if you work 10 years in law enforcement. So there's a lot of things we have here. And for our veterans, uh, the GI Bill for veterans uh, post 9-11 gives great opportunities. Not only do you get paid by the police department um, while you're in school, they pay you money for housing and books. And then when you get out in year two, they pay you for housing. So that's another 20,000 plus in those two areas. So we have some great opportunities here in Philadelphia. And again, the city is a great city to live in. It. It's afforded me a lot of opportunities. I mean, from my days on South Street, I was able to meet guys like Michael Jackson, uh, spent some time with him when he came to South Street and got him back to his place. And when the Pope was here, I was side by side with him. Um, so we like to say in law enforcement, it's the greatest show on earth. But I can guarantee you this, you'll have a fun time on this job, but you'll also be able to help a lot of people, which makes you feel good. Okay. Um, let's talk about the dangerous part of the job a little bit too, if we can. We've had three police officers in Philadelphia shot in the last month, another in South Jersey. Unfortunately, one of those officers, a Temple University officer, uh, Officer Fitzgerald, now Sergeant Fitzgerald, lost his life. Um, this is a job to take very seriously, especially the training part of it. Uh, and the police department uh, reaches out and drives that home during the training. I've been there many times myself watching uh, recruit classes go through. I know you've been there, guest speakers. You're up there lecturing young recruits and detectives and captains and everybody moving up and down the line, that kind of thing. But this is a job to take very seriously. But as you said, quite a bit of benefits if you do qualify and you do go through the recruitment camp. It's a great job and it can be dangerous at times. That's why we train so well. And what we do, so you recognize those skills. And again, Sergeant Fitzgerald, I was talking to his father last night for some time, uh, just making sure he was he was doing well. And, you know, Chris Fitzgerald was an interesting kid. I met him during protests when I was doing that, and he was my contact for the Sheriff's Department. But here again, a young kid who gave his life to the city uh, doing what he thought was the best thing to do. So um, Chris would want us all to join the police department and do what he always wanted to do, do good. And if you listen to Pastor Medina, uh, who spoke so eloquently about, you know, good defeats evil. And we're looking for good people, not to, you know, destroy evil, but to have conversation with people who are struggling in this city to take the evil out of those people. So good people can always defeat the evil by helping people. And, and that's what we're looking for. We're, le- we're looking for people who want to help people. Uh, but there are dangerous situations. And, and again, you carry a gun to work, right? So that's the very basic of it. But again, I've, I've, I've 34 years in this job and I've been yeah. in some very critical situations. And yeah, that's a serious part of this job. But we have outstanding training people at our academy that teach you great tactics. And why I talk about interpersonal skills so much is there's a lot of situations that are dangerous. You can 
get yourself out of with good interpersonal skills and with good thinking skills and good de-escalation skills. And that's why in policing, we've changed. I mean, everybody sees with whether we're doing or Jersey State Police are now doing with our crisis intervention stuff. You know, we have co-responder programs now where we're bringing people that are trained in that next to our police officers. And they're going to these calls that are some of the most dangerous calls when you're dealing with people in mental crisis. So there's a lot of opportunities out there to help. And yes, it is dangerous from time to time. And your family will be concerned. That's still, can recall 1990 <clears throat> when I got the notice to attend the academy and I still recall my mother crying and my dad saying, are you crazy? You don't need to do that. But I've had a wonderful career working a lot in gun violence, handled over 5,000 shootings in my career in Philadelphia. But I still feel the need that I can help somebody every day, especially when dealing with gun violence. I can help that victim. I can help the family. And I give them an opportunity to have hope, which is what we should all be thinking of. Yeah. And Chris uh, comes from a family of police officers, his dad, his mom, a uh, bunch of other uh, relatives, that kind of thing. He's kind of the guy you want to hold up there right now and say, this is the kind of young person we want striving to be a police officer in this city. Uh, he worked for Tempe University Police Department, but still a part of the police department. And, and again, uh, you know, surrounded by Philadelphia police all the time, but a, a good example to hold up there of a young person who really wanted to help the community. Yeah. And, and that's the people we want. I mean, Chris was a great kid. And again, he, he, we've heard so many stories about him and again, I've known yeah. his father for my entire career. And we know we have a lot of young kids just like him out there that I don't want to scare them by saying, Hey, that could potentially happen to you. But think about the good things that Chris did for so many people, black men running and all the programs he started to work with the community to, and think about how many people he touched in his life and the short life he had and, and then take a look at yourself and introspectively and say, Hey, I'd like to do that too. So we're looking for young, younger generation uh, people like Chris to come on to this job, but we're also looking for people like our 55 year old recruiting Academy right now is going to graduate on Friday and some other yeah. people less than 50 who are also graduating who had careers before this and, and looking for opportunities to continue on their service to the citizens of Philadelphia uh, by becoming police officers. There's 39 recruits graduating on Friday. One is 47, one is 55, as you just mentioned. One is 44. Um, I've been around the police department a long time. I don't recall folks at that age level coming into the police department. And it may help with the main thing that another part of that study, the LENFEST study, was 86% of the people say they want to see improved police public relations and maybe being a little more experienced, maybe having gone through some other jobs before you become a police officer and get trained to be a police officer will help towards that goal. What do you think? No doubt about it. And again, getting people, as I said earlier, bringing people in from all different backgrounds, including age groups, most importantly, looking at you know people from different genders uh, gives us a bigger voice, right? So it gives us a bigger opportunity. And, and, and again, early in life, uh, we're all knuckleheads from some time and sometimes giving someone a badge and a gun at 20 is a problem. But when you have people like these three uh, people that are graduating on Friday, it gives that balance. And you have that balance and act where you can have a 20 year old rookie in a car with someone who's a 55 year old former school teacher and maybe pair them together right away because you're going to have that balance and act that gives you more flexibility than what you do out there. Yeah. Talk about that part of the job. Uh, now you touched on it. There's an entire group of uh, mental health advocates who now team up with uh, certain members of the police department to go out on these domestic violence calls or 
uh, calls where the, the when the call comes in, there is some mental health issue mentioned uh, to caution the police as they approach there. There's been a lot of situations that have gone sideways uh, over the years um, because they didn't have that knowledge or somebody out there to help them deal with folks who have mental health uh, issues. Uh, yeah, um, that's and, and again, I came through that part of this policing going forward. It's a critical part and coming from a family who had a father who was mentally ill and I dealt with it, you know, prior to coming on the job and while on the job. Um, it, it's a difficult scenario for policing to deal with people with mental illness because we weren't really equipped to deal with it, but we were the only ones available to deal with it. So through the uh, push with Commissioner Outlaw, uh, she tasked Chief Inspector Mike Cran to work this unit. The unit is operational at this point out there in the field. And they're responding to these calls where you, where the 911 dispatcher is doing a survey to see if we need to have a uniform police response, which may incite that person who's mentally ill, or a non-police response with a police officer in plain clothes and a co-responder, a mental ill, a mental health person who can talk to people. And together, they work with that person to reduce the chances of a conflict happening. And it's being mirrored, I know, in New Jersey right now we're doing it here in the Philadelphia Police Department, it's going to have a successful conclusion. And that's why we need people from different backgrounds. We have an educator coming out. We get teachers coming out. These, the people from these industries help us become better because they see things from a different perspective. So policing as a whole, yes, we have a great, great training academy. And yes, we do great things, but sometimes we get too narrow-minded into the police field and we forget that we're dealing with people and these people need help instead of just dealing with the arrest and dealing with those issues surrounding that, sometimes just giving people a helping hand, showing someone a little bit of love, giving somebody a hug is all they really need to get them back into their normal lifestyle again. And people struggle greatly. And, and again, we're doing a lot of things, not only with that, we, we have an early intervention system that we're working on now for our officers. Um, we're working on some health and wellness stuff. We're developing a program now around that for our officers to make sure that they're also getting the treatment they need, right? Because the trauma that we experience every day also becomes part of the process. I know Commissioner Outlaw has dedicated a lot of resources around health and wellness, and we just started that program out there. We have an early intervention program that we're starting to work on now. We should have it out soon. We've always had our employees assistance program, but unfortunately it was underfunded and understaffed. So we're now dedicating resources to that. So we have a lot of things moving in this department at this point, uh, which is why we want you to join. Um, we, we, as, as I talked earlier, we have four weeks of paid parental leave uh, before you would have to use your own time, uh, but we're actually paying you uh, during the parental uh, process of your of your child the day after birth forward for four weeks. So mm -hmm. some great things going on at this point with the police department. Interesting, the uh, New Jersey State Police announced yesterday that they're going to do more working with mental health experts in the field, as you just talked about, and it's all about de-escalation in certain situations and i know that's a big focus now for the police department and that's that's kind of what you want to do in tense situations now is go into de-escalation not escalating the situation where it just becomes a police versus the individual kind of mad yeah but that's yours de-escalation de tactics are, are, are you know what policing is all about right now and it's important like i said you never want to show just your mere presence of showing up on the scene sometimes in a uniform can escalate things but as I talked earlier about interpersonal skills and having people from all different walks of life, sometimes being able to communicate with people can de-escalate people too. Sometimes we have a tendency to escalate things 
when we show up just because of the mere fact you wear a uniform. And oftentimes that contentious situation becomes more problematic because of the inability to communicate and having a mental health professional with you gives you that opportunity to teach you how. If we get more social workers into the business, if we get more teachers into the business, uh, healthcare workers, all these people can make us better because they can see things from a different perspective. And having that different perspective gives you a better opportunity to deal with people in a better way. And we want positive interactions. We don't want negative interactions with people. Uh, but sometimes those negative interactions do occur, as, as we talked earlier with Chris Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, John, talk about uh, the basic qualifications here for folks uh, who might be out there considering uh, uh, a position in a police department. What's the age? Do you have to have a license? What's the residency situation? Because it's changed a couple of times over the past few years. What is it currently? So the first thing is high school diploma or equivalent. You must be 20 years of age to apply. You have to have a Pennsylvania driver's license. You're going to face a battery of testing, nine tests. You know, one's going to be sit-ups and push-ups, a 1.5-mile run, a 300-millimeter run to enter the academy. And you're at a 30 percentile for the standards in, in that scenario. So the physical part of it, the mental part of it is all critical to what we do. Um, and most important is, is, is that we get people, again, who want to do this profession because of the right reasons. And we want people to come in here thinking you can, you're going to help people and wanting to help people rather than coming here thinking you're going to arrest people or do other things. So we want positive interactions with people, people who are positive in the policing. Um, and again, part of your job is going to be arrest people. We're not saying you don't have to arrest people, but right. you know, we, most of our interactions we want are, are going to be what car stops and ped stops and situations where you can have a great opportunity. My days on South street, uh, I train my people when they, make contact with the thousands of people we came in contact on South Street. We were started the impoundment program down there. So we were taking people's cars, but the interaction was very clear. Sir, ma'am, driver's license, owner card registration, you did this. And then the conversation kind of ended. And when you went back up to the car, sir, ma'am, here's your ticket or have a nice night. I'm not giving you a ticket. Just make sure you slow down and I'll go through that light next time. So those interactions do work. It does create a positive image for the city and the police department. And these, these are the type of people we would like to recruit and bring them into law enforcement because I, I don't want people thinking the only thing we do is lock people up. It's not. Every day you're doing things, whether it's picking up that person at a bus stop who's struggling with their groceries or crossing that lady across the street or playing basketball with a kid for a short time or having little fun games with kids on the street as you're driving around on patrol and you're bored and you see a kid playing, you jump out and help them. We want to do all these things to make this department the best in the, in, in the country. And there are rewards for doing that. When you have a good relationship with the neighborhood, with the community, with folks in the community, and a crime occurs in that community, one of the most important things is to get a good witness, is to get somebody who might have saw or heard something before, during, or after the crime. Not You have to be out there in the public as the person supplying information, but you want people who will call the hotline, the tip line, when there's a reward offered. Having a good community relations, neighborhood relationships, uh, officers who know the people in their neighborhood where they patrol has many, many benefits beyond just having a good relationship. And, and, and you're exactly right. That's some of the things that I was fortunate throughout my career and what I've learned, especially in the investigative side, by having those positive interactions and the people feel part of their police department, not, a, not a part from their police department, you will get that interaction. And again, some of the things I did on South Street and 15th District when I was there, 
had this thing called taking it to the streets. And when we had a critical incident went on within 24 hours, I was out there. Uh, we served flyers in the neighborhood, had my foot beats off and knock on doors. And I sat there and talked to the people about the issues. Uh, some of the things we did in Frankfurt, uh, my first few months there, where we changed the lighting along Frankfurt Avenue, we cleaned all the vacant lots, we took the abandoned houses down. Then we worked on an initiative to get rid of the abandoned cars. We took about 1,700 abandoned cars out of that area. And then we looked at the environment, uh, which is called crime prevention through environment, environmental design, along Frankfurt Avenue, uh, down to Tarsdale from Bridge Street up to like Erie. Um, the street design was terrible. So the streets, which were one-way streets with two parking lanes became two-way streets because that's culturally what happened. So I worked closely with the, the councilwoman, the state rep, the streets department to redesign every street in Frankfurt. One of my last things I did there to build out one-way streets again, to put signage up, to put crosswalks back in and the crime plummeted. So there's a lot of things you could do policing without police, I call it, that can improve your opportunities out there. And this is why when we talk about recruiting officers, it's not all about locking people up. It's about doing things like that. Look at our footbeats we have in Kensington now that are dealing with a horrific situation, but they're mm -hmm. out there trying to help that population and trying to do the things they need to do to improve that community. So there's a lot of things we could do in the helping stage uh, of policing that a lot of people want to do, especially our Generation Zers and our Millennials. Uh, this is a perfect profession where every day, most importantly, it's different. Every day you go to work, it's different. But every day I go to work hoping to help one person become better. And I've done that throughout my 34 years. And I think if you understand that's what policing is about, please join our police department at joinphillypd.com. And I got to tell you, uh, as a reporter in Philadelphia for uh, 36 years, that was kind of my goal every day when I went to work uh, to try and uh, improve the community, to try and get news out there that people valued and wanted to know about, uh, tried to give them help towards improving their neighborhoods and shine the light on programs that improve neighborhoods, that kind of thing. And that's kind of the way the police department's going now. And, and it sounds like uh, that's a good thing that uh, John Walker brings to the job that he's in right now. Another good thing is the mayor has an $800 million budget for Philadelphia's police department. He's pledging $55 million more to the department. And some of that money is going to come to the recruitment of police officers. And as I just said at the beginning of the show here, all the mayoral candidates seem to be on board with making police staffing a priority. So you have to be kind of buoyed by that, John, coming into a new job, that there's at least going to be the resources there to try and do it better. It's always good coming in. The last job I was in, again, you know, not having the resources, we had to be very resourceful. Well, yeah. I'm proud of that team at SIG who did some great, great work in, with the lack of resources by utilizing the, the technology and leveraging technology for better outcomes. And, and the same thing we're looking to do here. Um, we're going to you know, start doing some more marketing, uh, some marketing campaigns, some billboard campaigns. Uh, we're also looking at the process, right? So the process to hire a police officer is very lengthy. So one of the things we're trying to process out is trying to get that down from a time frame from as long as six months down to maybe 30 days. So we're working uh, with the entire process at this point and uh, looking at ways to improve that. We're not going to reduce um, our qualifications, but we are going to look at processes that, that go on to try to improve the hiring process to get more people on the job faster to fill these gaps that we currently have going forward. So 
it's a great opportunity when you have money behind you. I mean, oftentimes yep. in my 34 year career, uh, <laughs> we call it doing it with a rubber band and, and a popsicle stick, right? Uh, yeah. When you have money behind you now and you have the support, you have the will, it makes it a little bit easier to move these processes forward. And again, as I said earlier, it was nothing that we're doing wrong in recruitment. It's just that there wasn't a lot of attention toward it because we kind of had a marketplace of people that were coming to us. Now that we have to work toward it, we just have to work toward a better process to get people uh, onboarded faster um, and get the right people. Because again, we know we have a lot of people out there who want to join the police department. Some people are apprehensive, but I can tell you as a 34 year veteran of this police department that we've lost no love in this city from day one I've been on this job. I don't feel any less love today than I did 34 years ago, even during the time I was doing the Floyd protest and walking in certain businesses, people were still telling you, thank you for your service. And I still get that every day I walk the streets of Philadelphia. So I can tell you that you will be loved in this police department. You will be uh, respected and you will be treated well. Our, again, all our benefits are great. I think the salary is great. It'll give you an opportunity to live a, a, a good life and a lifestyle. Uh, your family will be proud of you. We'll, we'll, we'll be proud of you and we'll embrace you. And we want everybody to understand you're all welcome in this police department. And we need your voice uh, because we got to turn this city around and make it the best city again, like it was years ago. This used to be a fun, vibrant city. Unfortunately, COVID has created a lot of problems for us, but we want to bring this city back into what it was many years ago, where you're having street festivals, you're having people around, people are in the buildings, people are going out to our bars and restaurants and create the energy again, instead of this fear uh, conversation that's out there right now. And you know, talking to both of our friend Kevin Bethel, we talk often, um, yeah. and in his new- Had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, yep. yep. He often talks about the fact of going into his new assignment over the school district that his biggest struggle is, you know, the things we talk about in law enforcement is crime and the fear of crime and fear of crime to us never really meant anything because we didn't understand it. But now he's there working with school administrators and teachers and kids who go to work and go to school every day with fear. And we have to push that back down. The only way we do that is by working together. It's all about solutions. We can all point out, I've never been a finger pointer in my career. I'm about solutions and listening. If we listen to each other, the solution will come out. If we allow people to talk through catharsis, you will find the solution, you'll find the answer. But sometimes we just don't listen enough. And I think by listening, we can be more successful. And by working together, regardless of our positions and interests, everybody has a different position, different interests. We're not gonna win if everybody's not at the table. We can all sit here and point fingers but there's very complex problems in this city. We all know the poverty rate's around 24%. So one in every uh, five, four people live in poverty. And that's been a systemic problem in the city for years and all my years of doing gun violence. Uh, but we have to look at that from a different perspective, that there's barriers that have created problems over the years. And if we look at those social and economic conditions and figure out those barriers, we can be successful. But if, if we're gonna point fingers at each other for who's responsible for what, it's difficult. And, and again, the criminal justice system is a, a difficult system. As I told you, I was a victim of a robbery. Uh, I went through the system. I went through a prosecution. It's very difficult to get it from start to finish. All my years doing shooting investigations, I don't care if you had the best evidence available, that case is difficult to get through the process going forward because, again, we live in a great country, right? So there's a balance in act. There's, there's a that blind person, the scales of justice, 
who makes a determination. We have to respect those types of things. And again, um, when you look at criminal justice reform and a conversation around that, um, I can tell you personally through a family member of mine who was a young kid who got arrested for a fight many years ago uh, as a 17 year old and made a decision to plead guilty of a felony, unfortunately. Um, he can't get a job 10 years later. And so those are the reform things that need to be done. And, and, and again, talking about you know, the difference between a progressive prosecutor and what goes on, I think the issue comes into, you know, are the progressive prosecutors right, wrong, or indifferent? That's, again, everybody's opinion. But I think some of the mistakes some of these progressive prosecutors make is that I get it that you want that people want to go out on bail. They want to move them out on bail. But what do you do? What does that look like when they get into the field, when they get back on the streets? So this person who's been arrested, who, you're, who, who we're putting back in, we got to figure out that gap on where that person goes afterwards. Some of these people are mentally ill. Some of these people have nowhere to go. So, so, so you let this person come out of jail because you don't want to hold them in until their trial. I get it. But where are they going? Um, they have no family sometimes to go to. The family may not want them. Or the environment you're putting back into is right back into the criminal environment where they can create more problems for you. So it's really got to be, again, everybody at the table discussing different perspectives and us respecting everybody's positions and interests to get at this criminal justice reform that we all want but we just want to be done the right way. And we don't want to live our lives living in fear every day when we walk out our door. Okay, John, uh, greatly appreciate your time. Uh, we wish you a lot of luck in the new job. Uh, some exciting things coming out of there. Hopefully uh, we attract more candidates. Hopefully we attract the good quality candidates you're looking for, people who don't want to question and complain, but want to join and improve. And that would be a great thing. So I appreciate you coming on the show talking about this folks keep an eye out there because you're going to see john walker's face out there you're going to see billboards you're going to see more marketing and, and uh kind of putting out the feelers to try and get people to join the police department if you're interested in that there's plenty of stuff online to look up on it and the salary is a pretty good starting out with a lot of improvements right away john thanks again for coming on the show greatly appreciate it thanks for bringing your experience to the police department and helping out with this new recruitment element of it thank you dave and have a nice day and uh I know you're retired now, but if you want to join the police department, we, we'd like to have you. I might be a little too old for that, but uh, I think I can keep up maybe. We'll see what happens. I appreciate the offer, though. Thank you very much. All right. Well, Take care. Thanks, John. Uh, right. That's Philly Prime for this week, folks. Thanks for listening, and uh, join us again next week. Have a great week.